0: Alright, real quick, pop quiz. uh, The Greek word for church is ekklesia, what does it mean? Called out. Called out. Called out. Called out ones. That's that's us. Uh, When we talk about the church, we uh, define it in different ways. What are some different definitions or different ways we might define the church? Body of Christ. Huh? Body of Christ. Body of Christ could be a metaphor for it. Gahal. Huh? Kahal. Kahal. That's the assembly, right? That's Hebrew for Oh, right, right. That's, that's what they When we when we talk about the church, um, the especially in the uh, Nicene Creed, there's some adjectives for it. Do you know what those? Adjectives would be. <laughs> Somebody look up the Nicene Creed. That's what you're <laughs> somebody's what looking that. up the yeah, Nicene Creed here, and he's going to tell us what are some adjectives for the church. There, it's called holy, holy, Catholic, Catholic, and apostolic, apostolic. Doesn't it say one? Yes, one. Holy, Catholic, and Apostolic. What do these words mean? Uh, we have a Pope. We have a Pope? <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> 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 we don't have a Pope, no. That's not what it means to be apostolic. What does it mean to be apostolic? We're based on the teaching of the Apostles. Right, based on teaching of the Apostles. Very good. What does it mean to be one? Unified. Yeah. Single. Unity, yeah, one. One. Um, one Catholic. Universal. Universal, right. Um, and so there is one universal church. When we talk about one universal church, is that visible or invisible? Both. It's invisible. Both. Yeah. What, what, the, the, the visible church is, is uh, Catholic as well. What's the difference between visible and invisible church? The heart. In- the invisible or the elect. So
1: the invisible are the elect, know. right? Through all time, yeah. through all yeah,
0: the, the invisible elect. church is elect through all time. Now, can some who are not actually believers be a part of the visible church? Yes. Yes, yes. we we see that, don't we? We we saw it in Scripture. You know, even uh, Demas certainly one who left, and John even says they they went out from us because they never really were a part of us, right? Um. OK, so we, we have a, a distinction between uh, Catholic, which is universal, um, all the saints of all times. Um, uh, we have the uh, visible uh, church, which would be like the local church, like here, Westminster Presbyterian Church and the members who are here. But if you're a member of Westminster Presbyterian Church, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a believer. It means that you made a profession of faith before the elders. But... You can say that and deceive us, right? And so not everybody who's part of the visible church is necessarily uh, part of the universal church. So we know that. So it's one uh, holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. Set apart. It's different from the world, right? We're not the same. One holy, Catholic, we've already talked about that, and apostolic, we talked about that, right? Very good. We talked about what the word you means? It means the called out ones? Okay, very good. Y'all did... Uh, that, that's, that's 85-ish. Because okay? you didn't remember all of the... You didn't remember all of the adjectives in the Nicene Creed. But that's that's all right. All right, turn with me to uh, Genesis 15. We're going to continue to look at uh, some stuff regarding the life of Abram, Abraham, and uh, remember we were looking at him last time. We looked at what it meant for God to be his shield and his very great reward. And uh, the things that God was shielding him from, the things that God shields us from. Um, and that uh, God himself is our very great reward, the greatest of the covenantal blessings. I will be your God and you will be my people. And it's even, you know, we see that fulfillment in the uh, Revelation 21, and 22, that that God in his, in his promise to be with us and be our God. We will be his people. He fulfills that. Now, uh, let's go on here in uh, Genesis uh, 15. Um, does anybody feel real ambitious to read the whole chapter for us?
1: Yeah. Go for it. <clears throat> Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of the prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham, and behold... And they they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete.
0: When the sun had
1: gone down, and it it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between those pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites.
0: Thank you. Good job with those names. Especially when I just sprung that on you, right? There. Have any of you ever uh, listened to a politician make promises? <laughs> huh. How many politicians do you know that fulfilled every promise they ever made to people who voted for? That's the thing, you know, how you can tell if a politician is lying, right? His lips are moving. His lips moving. He's he's lying, right? Well, we've all known what that's like. Uh, If a politician is making a promise to us, we don't hold it too high uh, regard. Um, We may doubt uh, some people's promises to us, maybe not only politicians, we made out the promises of uh, some family members. Um, <laughs> sadly, we, we've all probably experienced that time or two. A family members just write out, uh, boldly lied to us. To, to my children, that was an, uh, an automatic spanking offense. You didn't get three strikes. You know, if you lied to me, you get a spanking. It didn't always stop on that. Go ahead and do it. And we have all probably experienced it with, with children. We know what that's like. Um, And so we all know what it's like to have people make promises to us and not fulfill them, but I want you to know when God makes promises, He fulfills them. He always does. And we see here uh, that God never lies and we never need doubt His promises. God makes promises to Abram. You can just turn back a chapter to um, Genesis chapter 12. A couple chapters, okay? Three chapters. Genesis chapter 12 God comes to him and and it, he, when he tells him to leave his country and go where he's going to show him, he makes a promise to him right off the bat. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you all will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And then we look over in chapter 13, Genesis 13 verses 14 through 17. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had departed from him, Lift up your eyes from where you, you are and look north and south and east and west. All the land that you see I will give to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. And uh, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. God makes promises to Abraham. All this, All this land and all this offspring you're gonna have right and so last week we uh, we looked at the, the rescue that Abraham uh, gave to lot and the king of Sodom and and um, when the king of Sodom comes and tells him you can have all the bounty just give me the people he says I don't want any of it I don't want anybody to say they made Abraham wealthy except for God himself and so then God comes to him and he's in. A, looked at it last time the, at this point uh, God comes to Abram and says don't, don't fear I'm your shield your very great reward and then what do we see a little bit of, a little bit of what seems to be almost some, some doubt in Abram and he says oh sovereign Lord what can you give me since I, I remain childless he's thinking, you know you promised me to have all of these descendants and this land will be the descendants of the land of my descendants but I have any children and the one who's the natural at this point, the natural one who would inherit everything I have, is a, is a servant of mine. And so God says, no, it's not going to be your servant. It's not going to be your servant. Now, in those days, when you made a promise, this kind of promise, it was a pretty serious thing. And uh, they had different ways of verifying that they made promises, right? We, we see these kinds of things today. It used to be if men shook hands on a deal, that was all you needed, right? we shake hands and it's a done deal. It's like signing in blood, right? Um, and we see that sort of thing. And these days, if you are in a court of law and you're testifying to something, you put your hand on the Bible, raise your right hand. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, not the truth, say I'm a God, and so on. When we were younger, we used to you know, make promises to our to our friends in grade school and stuff and say, cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Did y'all ever say that? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things. And uh, so we would say things like that. Other cultures, Muslims say swear on the prophet's beard. (laughs) It's kind of an odd sort of thing, but that's what I hear (laughs) hear they say. Um, But in the time of Abraham, and at the time of the Old Testament, when men made promises, when individuals made promises to, to each other like this, they did it with a ceremony. And uh, it, w- it was a little bit of a different ceremony. We see the ceremony in this chapter, and it's a ceremony we might think kind of odd because we don't see this kind of ceremony in our day. We would think people are quite barbaric if they were to do that and start taking animals and cutting them on the It's bloody, you know, blood everywhere. But God tells Abram to... to uh, to bring these animals to him. And Abraham obviously knows what he's supposed to do with them, and he cuts them in half. Now, what's going on here is uh, God is making a covenant with Abraham. Now, was uh, not everybody quite understands what a covenant is. Some defined it as a promise, but I think it's actually a little bit more than a promise. It's, it includes the idea of promises, because you have to make vows to one another, But a a covenant, you have these different parties, and so someone is making promises to someone else, and they're receiving promises from that someone else. And the way that they would verify these promises to each other is they would take these animals, they would take an animal, cut it right half in two, and put, like, part of the animal here and another part here they would make these promises to one another, these vows. They would lock arms and walk between the pieces of the animal. And what they're doing by doing that, they're saying, if I don't uphold my promises in this covenant to you, may I be just like this animal, torn apart. So it's a pretty serious thing that they were, they were saying. I, I will be torn apart if I don't, if I don't keep my promises uh, to the other individual here. So Abraham takes these animals God's told him to bring and he, he, he cuts them apart. In fact, by the way, the Hebrew word for covenant is the word Brit and it means literally means to cut or a cutting. And so they would have when, when they would make a covenant with one another they're, they're having a cutting and so they were cutting the animals and tearing them apart like that with the significance of, of walking between the pieces. Um. So, so Abraham brings all these, verse 10, to the Lord, as he's told him to. A, a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a pigeon. And he cuts them, he makes a little, you know, like an aisle here A piece here, a piece here, a piece here, a piece here, a piece here. And so it makes an, uh, kind of an aisle between And then he sits and he waits. And um, some other stuff going on here, you know, the darkness signifying... Um, some, something that is, the descendants are going to go through. They're going to be in a land not their own for 400 years. They're going to be enslaved there and all this sort of stuff. But then we see in verse 17 something quite interesting I think. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen a smoking firepot and a blazing torch appeared Pass between the pieces. <laughs> now, we, we've we talked about this passage before, and so you probably remember what we have here with the smoking fire pot and a blazing torch is what's called a theophany. It's an appearance of God, an Old Testament, or, or just an appearance of God is what a theophany is about. And we see here Abraham sitting, kind of waiting, and then God himself passes between the pieces. Now, remember when I told you about the cutting of the covenant, or the cutting, um, and you would put the pieces of the animal here, the, the individuals who are part of this making a covenant together, they would lock arms and pass between the pieces. God is making a covenant with Abraham here, but Abraham's not locking arms with God to walk through this. This is God himself coming down between the pieces of the animal. God is saying, I'm making this promise to you, Abraham, and it doesn't depend on your, your, your good looks. It doesn't depend on your good works. It doesn't depend... It, you know, I, when I made this promise to you way back when... It didn't depend on that. I didn't look at you and think, well, how wonderful you are. I didn't look down in history and see the choices that you were going to make. I made the promises to you because I decided to show my love and grace to you. And so God, at this point, when Abraham is having some questions about this thing, some questions about uh, the descendants, well, first of all, you know, God takes him out and shows him the stars in the sky and says, count them. if you can count them, and and, and there weren't all the lights of the city at that time. And when you're away from the lights of the city, you can see a lot more stars, right? Well, Abraham couldn't count them, so he says, okay, yeah, I believe you. But what about the land? I don't have any land here. And we know he he still didn't. When he died, he had to go buy a piece of land in order to bury uh, Sarah, remember, when she died. So um, at this point, he's saying, OK, I believe you're going to give me descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. I can believe that. But what about the land? So God's saying, all right, Abraham, I made this promise to you. Making a covenant with you is cutting. I myself am going to come down between the pieces to show you that I really mean this. This is the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, saying to Abraham, if I do not fulfill my promises to you, may I be torn apart just like these animals are torn apart. It's an amazing thing. So God makes this, this, uh, makes this uh, covenant with Abraham based on his, God's grace, not based on anything he foresaw, That Abraham would do, not based on Abraham's goodness or his decisions or anything like that. God alone makes the promises based on God. And so the covenant, this covenant of grace that God initiates with Abraham at this point is a unilateral covenant. God alone is making. He's not locking arms with Abraham to walk down between the pieces and say, Abraham, if you uphold your end, I'll uphold my end. he saying, I'm just going to uphold my end. So, we see that. Now, so we see the covenant being made here in Genesis chapter 15, an amazing covenant where God himself unilaterally says, yep, I'm going to uphold my my promises to you. Um, Then he goes on over into chapter 17. Now, God has made this covenant with Abraham, and he probably could remember it. But what if sometimes his mind might begin to doubt God's promises? What if he begins to think, well, maybe, maybe I misread that whole situation with the animals. Maybe, maybe God was saying something else when he walked down between the pieces. Well, God doesn't want Abraham to be doubting like that. And so he does an amazing thing with you in, in chapter 17. In Genesis 17, look we'll at in verse 7. <clears throat> Just so you don't forget, Abraham, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. How long does that last? It's pretty long. It's an eternal covenant, right? I, I establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after... Uh, after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. This covenant I'm making is not just with you, but with you and your children. Okay. And all your descendants. And the whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you, to your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, for you, as for you, you must keep my covenant you and your descendants after you for generations to come. And this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep every male among you is to be circumcised. It's an interesting thing here that God takes this sign that he's giving him of the covenant because he might tend to doubt at times and he's saying, all right, I'm going to give you a sign to remind you every time you might begin to start doubting I want you to remember that I've made a covenant with you. And this sign that I'm going to give you is a permanent sign. You know, it's, you know you, you, uh, there are certain things you can have reversed. I don't think circumcision is one of them, right? It's a permanent sign. And so every time you begin to doubt, Abraham, you, can, you remember the sign that I'm giving you. And I'm going to, you're, going to, you're going to get it, and your children are going to get it. What is this a sign of? It is a sign of God's promise. Okay. Now his promise is to be received on the basis of faith. And Abraham was to receive this, this on the basis of faith as well. But it is a sign of God's promise. This is the way that God always works covenants. In giving signs of the covenant. Flip back a couple of chapters once again. Genesis 9. And God gives us these signs so we don't forget We don't forget what? We don't forget his promises, right? And so uh, Genesis 9, uh, verses 12 through 17. Uh, This is, of course, after the flood. And uh, the ark settled, and God brings Noah out. And uh, then God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come, I have set my rainbow in the clouds. And it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. The covenant, including these promises that God is making. He's giving us a sign to remind us he's going to be faithful to his promises. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth... And the rainbow appears in the clouds. I will remember my covenant between me and you, and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters be, uh, become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all things living, and every kind, uh, and, and every kind on earth, uh, creatures of every kind on earth. So God said to Noah, "This is the sign of a covenant I have established between me." And all, uh, all life on Earth, we see that rainbow. It's a reminder God made a promise. We see a rainbow in the sky, maybe, probably not tonight, but maybe tomorrow sometime after it rains, we see the rainbow. And we're reminded, God said, "I'm never going to flood the entire Earth again." What's it a sign of? Well, it's a sign of God's promise. God has given us a sign to verify that promise. When God comes to Abraham in Genesis 17, he's made the covenant with him in Genesis 15, and he said, I'm going to give you a sign so that you will not forget my promises to you. Once want you to know when God makes a promise to you, uh, he, he always gives us a sign to verify that so that we don't forget. Now, Who are the offspring of Abraham? Uh, Because this sign is to be given to Abraham and his offspring after him, right? Galatians chapter 3. Go all the way over into the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3. Who are the true heirs of Abraham? Who are the heirs to receive the promises that God has given to Abraham? Genesis, uh, Exodus, Galatians, what chapter is this? Galatians 3, <laughs> verse 29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Promises God gave to Abraham, he's saying, the true children of Abraham are those who have the same faith as Abraham. If you have the faith of Abraham, then you're Abraham's seed. The promises I gave to Abraham are yours as well. You're heirs of those promises, right? Heirs the ones that receive it. Okay? Now, if we are heirs of Abraham, Abraham's received this sign here in Genesis 15 to remind him of the promises that God had given him, right? Are you with me? Giving him this sign, says, says, you have this sign that I am going to be faithful to my promises that you will receive by faith. Um, just because you receive the sign doesn't mean you get the things that are promised, but you receive those things promised by faith, and I promise that that's the case. You have the faith you receive those. Now, we are children of Abraham. This sign is to be an everlasting sign, right? Except Colossians. Turn over a couple more books. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 9. For in Christ all fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been given the fullness of Christ, who is head over every power and authority. In him you also were circumcised. In the putting off of the sinful nature, not with circumcision done with hands of men, but with circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith and the power of God who raised him from the dead. How do we see our circumcision? It's not done by hands, but how do, do we still receive a sign of God representing God's promises to us? And what is that sign? Yeah? sign. Baptism baptism has replaced circumcision as the sign of the covenant it's still a sign, God has still given us a sign of the covenant of the fact that we're Abraham's uh, offspring if we believe so we're still receiving that, that sign, now is it a sign of something that we do for God no, it's a sign of God's promise to us if we receive that sign and we never express faith, do we receive the things promised? What's the basis on which those things are promised to us? Faith. If we believe, then these things are given to us. And so we, when we look at our baptism, we have to think, okay, is this a sign of something that I've given to God? No, it's a sign of God's promise to me that if I believe all of the promises that he's given to Christ, all the inheritance that is Christ's, all of the promises he made to Abraham are mine because I am heir and when we talk about our relationship to Jesus who is the heir, we say we're co-heirs, right? There's a difference between being an heir and a co-heir or a joint heir and a co-heir, If you're a joint heir uh, if if you have, let's say uh, that uh, my father was uh, a wealthy man, owned that, that he had three million dollars, you know, and when he passed away, oh, four million dollars to put that was easier. Right? He had four million dollars when he when he dies. He got four children, and we're all heirs. What happens? Just each like we each get a million dollars, right? But if we're co-heirs, if we're co-heirs, it's a different situation. It means that we each get, or we each become part of that $3 million. That $3 million becomes each of ours. $4 million becomes each of ours. So being co-heirs with Christ means that all of the inheritance, everything that Christ inherits, is not only his, but it's mine. If you're a co-heir with Christ, all that he's inherited is also yours. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? If you're a believer in Christ, these things that are promised, these things that are received as being an heir, uh, they're, they're received on the basis of God's promise that those who have faith have the same faith as Abraham will receive these things. We we have a sign of that when we were baptized. And this is something that we need to remember. Baptism is a sign of God's faithfulness to his promise that all who place their faith in Christ will inherit all the blessings that he has promised in Christ. Eternal life. um, We we look at the, the blessings we see there in Revelation 21, 22, that all the The pains that are suffered as a result of sin are gone. They're removed from us. Um, And that there's a new heaven and a new earth, and we inherit all of the earth. It's all ours. This is some great promises. You know, politicians, friends, family, they may all make promises to us, and they may break them, but God never does. sealed it to Abram with covenant, he sealed it to us with the covenant, and he has is, he is, uh, sealed it uh, to us with the sign of the covenant, which at times he calls the covenant, as we, we saw in, in uh, Genesis 17, baptism is sometimes uh, mixed uh, up with the very thing that it signifies in the New Testament as well. And so when we begin to doubt, we begin to doubt that God might really fulfill his promises to us. You know what? He's, he sealed it. He sealed it with our baptism. We look to that God. God, yeah, He's given me the seal of His promise. I can trust that He is faithful and true to His promises. He's not a politician. <laughs> and He never will break His promises to us. All right. Well, that's uh, that's about it for Abraham. I think we'll look at another great uh, Old Testament, begin looking at another great. Old Testament individual next week and uh, as we look at some different heroes of the faith. Let's...